Welcome to Unscripted Real Estate, where our main goal is educating and informing future and current homeowners, guided by our experience and deep compassion to mortgage lending. Unscripted Real Estate is powered by Icon Mortgage. Without Icon Mortgage, the show does not go on. Thank you, listeners and future listeners, for joining Unscripted Real Estate in our first time homebuyer series. I'm your inquisitive host, Ryan Davis, joined by compassionate industry leading professionals, Summer Kim Davis, and John Lucas. Hello. Oh, yeah. Told you I had a surprise for you. Oh, yeah. Well, <laughs> the first time homebuyers topic for me just sparked a couple of old memories as a renter a long time ago. And I think that we could all relate to these, you know, common hassles that you deal with that you don't really think about um, leading into renting, but I think they trigger you to start thinking about future home ownership. Um, I'm sure everyone's deal- dealt with you know, annual rent increases, you know, when you have to renew your lease, never like to, you never like to uh, take on that increase. And maybe you fall into the cycle of frequent moving, uh, where you're constantly packing up boxes every year and uh, redecorating, you know, you got to fill the holes in the walls and repaint the walls that your wife decided to paint uh, a really deep color that is hard to, hard to cover up. Um, you know, lost deposits, maybe there was some damage done or some supposed damage uh, and you never get your, your uh, dep- security deposit back. And then you also deal with property management hassles throughout that year of living in the properties. Not fun to deal with. There's a, there's a ton of them. I'm sure we could go on and on. Summer being a pet owner, I'm sure she could elaborate on some of her experiences. Don't we all love our fur babies? Um, I do. It's um, so nice to have a house with a backyard. You don't have to go up and down. You know, if you're living in a high-rise apartment, I love, that's the part that I love the most, to having a home of my own. And then, you know, of course, I don't have to worry about losing my pet deposits. That's quite a bit. No. Pet rent. Yeah. Yeah, That's another one. That too. Pet rent, absolutely, and they don't have jobs either. So, right. someone's paying it. <laughs> and you got if you got a couple of them, you know, you're paying a couple. A I couple mean, we, we used to have three. That yeah. was quite a bit. Yep. Right. Yep. 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 Man, I'll tell you though, the thing that I always hated about apartments is no garage. Uh, as a guy, fellows, y'all would understand this, I think, a little bit more. But you don't have a space if you like to do stuff to your car. You don't have a dedicated space to do it. I used to try to do work on my truck in a in a parking garage. Man, just not very fun. All right. So, yeah. And if you do have a garage, you're paying for it, right? Yeah. right. And it's not even attached to your your building for yeah. the most part. So. Yeah. Yeah. You don't want your. You know, occasionally we get hail here in Texas, and I've experienced that once, and it is it's brutal. Um, so you you want to protect your car from from the elements out there and 
garages could be a hundred dollars each. If you have two cars, you know, that ad, it just adds up. Um, but, uh, to live, to live, uh, like you would live in a home, it's, it costs money. And, um, you know, I have a short story. It would never happen again. It's just the, the chances of this happening to someone else um, is very rare. But I need to share it just because it's so unique and interesting. But, you know, my first apartment, uh, we decided to get a third floor apartment so that people didn't stomp on our heads and make noises. You know, we were like, yeah, yeah, we got them. But, uh, you know, this one day I was working on my car and, you know, it wasn't running right. And I was I pretty much barely pulled into the driveway and pop the hood and you know the alternator was on fire and um if you're not familiar with an alternator it basically supplies power to your battery and if it dies if it dies then the battery dies and but it was on fire one day and and it was actually inside the encasing of this particular part so i had to run upstairs to get some liquid to douse the flames and uh at that exact moment someone was moving a washer and dryer downstairs on dollies so there was no way to you know it was a freak out moment you know Luckily, the car didn't, you know, just totally engulf, but uh, just, a, just a funny story that, you know, you have to deal with, you know, if you live on a you know, third floor, you know, you're always going up, and going up and down the stairs. But today, my question for all the aspiring homeowners or even renters out there that don't really think about homeownership quite yet, um, do these common hassles ever trigger you to think about what it takes to become a homeowner? Well, our goal today is to help you better understand that homeownership, you know, doesn't cost a lot of money and it's much easier to achieve uh, than you think, especially when you find a trusted mortgage advisor to help you get to your destination. First, I think I'm going to explain kind of the beginning stages of the mortgage, mortgage process so you know, the renters out there could understand what happens. A borrower who is thinking to buy a home first needs to ter- determine if they could afford the home and how much they could afford, you know, before they set appointments with realtors going out and looking at houses and then find out, oh, they don't qualify for that amount or they don't qualify, period. Um, it's good to, you know, get yourself pre-qualified with a mortgage advisor. They could take you th- through the proper steps so that uh, when it does come that time, you're not surprised at the last moment. Um, and plus, the first question a realtor is going to ask is probably, are you pre-qualified and how much? Yeah, yeah. every time. M- many, yeah. many won't even mm-hmm. let you see a house unless right. you have yeah. that paper. So. Right. So, yeah, the, the, the first step, you know, really is with a mortgage advisor. And I have a few questions today that will help, you know, all the renters out there that who are, who are in the planning stages just be better educated on what it takes to be a homeowner. So Summer, what do prospective home buyers need to understand relative to employment history and mortgage qualification? That's a good question. Um, as a good rule of thumb, you need two years of employment history. Of course, um, it would depending on your employment type, but if you're getting salary or hourly type of income on W-2, um, if you have been in the same line of business or industry, you should qualify with two years of um, history. But how about if you're getting 1099 or if you're in a contract or um, you're a self-employee? If that's your case, you may need more than two years to qualify because um, the lenders are looking for the stability, stability of your income. And also they uh, are looking for the trend of your income, whether it's inclining or declining. Um, 
And I think most of it is in, self-employment income tend to uh, fluctuate more so than the the fixed income um, type. Yeah, for sure. I agree with that 100%. But we see, you know, this on a regular basis. And, you know, um, one thing that I wanted to kind of just uh, point out, too, is self-employment. Uh, we say that word, but really what that means is it's not necessarily that you own a business. It's that you are a 1099 type employee. You're not getting a W-2 at the end of the year. So if you're working at a car dealership and you're making 100% commission and you're 1099, you're technically what we would call self-employed, uh, even though you don't own the car dealership. So just kind of know that. And um, one big point here is what when we're calculating that inclining or declining income, we're doing that after your deductions. So if you, let's say, hypothetically, you made $100,000 last year at your car sales job and you wrote off $40,000 worth of uh, deductions because uh, we all have expenses, right? And uh, you write that off, you're left with $60,000. That's what you're telling the federal government that you made for the year. So that's the number when Summer says inclined, inclined that's the number we're looking at. So that's going to be used for your qualification. Yeah. Uh, so basically... The lender's gonna use the income that um, that is reported, um, and you know the income that you um, paying tax on. So whether you're getting W two or ten ninety nine, if you're claiming your income at sixty thousand dollars after expenses, sixty thousand dollars is what we're gonna be using to qualify. And then W two, you know, the your employer is paying taxes for you, so. So we're going to be using your gross income to qualify. Um, and then I forgot to mention, there are some exceptions on qualification when it comes to income. So one good example would be if you are uh, in college, you're graduating in a couple months, but you already have a job lined up, you have a job offer, you can qualify with the, with the new income. And so basically what we're using is your college degree, as an experience to override two years of ex- uh, employment history um, requirement. That's really good information, you know, especially if, you know, you're just in the pre-planning phase. Sounds like two years is the mark that you need to set in your sights and just be stable with your job and your income level. Um, but, yes, thanks so much for that. So that leads right, right into our next question for John. Um, re- regarding credit history, and since it's a focal point of loan qualification and approval, can you elaborate on some basic requirements aspiring homeowners should understand to better be prepared for loan qualification? Absolutely. So payment history, this is going to be a very big um, focal point, and it's going to be a big driving factor for your credit score. Um, Now, if you have missed payments on your credit report, um, you know, don't panic, um, you know, but we do want to see a good one to two years. Like we keep kind of mentioning this number two years, but in some cases it doesn't quite have to be that long depending on the type of missed payment you had. So let's take, for instance, like you have a store credit card or you have like your regular visa, MasterCard, whatever you happen to just miss a payment. Um, that's not going to have as much weight as say a missed car payment or an installment loan, which, you know, are very similar to a mortgage. So they have a lot heavier weight on the, the, the score itself, but also on our qualification, um, with, with someone that has a car payment that's been missed or a repossession, something like that, we're going to need a full 12 months minimum. 
um, to be able to do the, the loan. Whereas if you had a missed payment on a you know store credit card, we can probably still do the loan. It's not helping you, so don't do it, but you know, uh, definitely something to think about. But um, another factor is uh, your your balances that you carry. So, you know, the credit bureaus always recommend, um, you know, a, a 30% of the available credit being utilized at any time or less. That's going to help you improve your score. And last but not least, um, we want to avoid collection accounts. There we go. Don't want any of those. No, right? no, 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 no. No, those creeping around. Um, but but here's the thing. Collection accounts, you know, they don't always have to be paid off. They are going to have a big major effect on your score, um, but it doesn't necessarily mean we couldn't do the loan. Uh, some of them have to be paid off, but some of them don't. Um, for instance, uh, medical is one uh, that carries a little less weight. Uh, whereas if you just didn't pay something and it went into collections, you may have to pay something, but you, you also may not, but it's going to have a, a pretty significant factor on the actual credit score itself. I think medical collections, when it comes to underwriting, I think they're looking at, Hey, no one is planning to getting sick or planning to going into a yeah. emergency surgery. Right. So it's kind of like, if you think about it, it's kind of common sense and they'll look at it, you know, these are extenuating situations most of times, not every time. So, you know, um, it's pretty much case by case, but mostly um, that's how that happens compared to, you know, other collections account with tax lien or child support or credit card yeah, bills big or big yeah. bankruptcy. Those are obviously caused by financial mismanagement. So those are big no-no. Yeah, Absolutely. Yeah, that's, that's, that's nice of the uh, lenders to acknowledge that too because um, that would just put people in a, even a bigger bind. Um, so good for them to uh, acknowledge that medical expenses can arise at any time and um, they don't ding you for that. Um, so again, the two-year mark here was mentioned. So if you need to, you know, build your credit um, history, you know, start, you know, set two years at, in your sites just like uh, the employment history. Um which brings me right into our next uh, topic, which is income, and this is for summer. Obviously, income is going to be a focal point for loan qualification, and it overlaps with both uh, employment and credit history to a little bit. So can you give everyone an idea of what is actually being looked at here? Yeah, I'm sure. So income and credit go hand in hand when it comes for qualification, because we um, know that you need income to make payments every month. So, um, and then, you know, we have to look at the monthly, your uh, liability. Um, and so we, we take your current bill payment and then we add the new mortgage payment, future mortgage payment added into um, uh, the, the future payment to qualify you. So the ratio, ratio we're using, is called debt to income ratio. Again, debt to income ratio is as also as known as DTI. Most of the conventional loans, um, their limit is at forty three percent, but it could go up to fifty percent. Depends on the loan type, such as VA or FHA. They they are more forgiving when it comes to debt to income ratio, and maybe some on conventional loans too. It just depends on you know if you have 
strong financial profile, um, have high down payment, or you know you have a really great income. Um, so I'll give you an example. So if you, let's say you make ten thousand dollars a a month, not a year. So let's say ten thousand dollars a month, and forty three percent of it is what forty three hundred. <laughs> okay, I'm making my calculator <laughs> out. So so forty three thousand dollar is the the um the threshold that you you should um you know have it. Did you say forty three thousand? Forty three hundred. There we go. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Thank you for catching I wish, it. I wish we were, we're driving yeah. the point here, you yeah. know, like making Thank sure you, you understand. Thank you for no catching it. Good job. But yeah, so I mean, I I, I agree with someone on that. Th- those ratios, you're going to hear that a, a million times uh, through the process because it's it's critical. It's how we get you into a loan. But here's one thing I want everybody to remember. Summer mentioned that on some loans, you get it a little bit higher of a, of a ratio. But remember that if we're using 43% and that's 4,300 whatever dollars that has to be allocated to it, we're using the 10,000 that we're breaking that out of. That's before you pay taxes. So you got to think what's really left over after that, because I guarantee you, you want to have a cell phone. You want to have your you know, Netflix, all yeah, the luxuries, yeah. like maybe going out to eat every now and yeah, <laughs> going to a movie. Budgeting comes into play yeah. and they don't look at everything, you they know, don't. such as, you know, beer budget. Woo. You know, if you have a champagne taste on the beer budget, that's not a good thing. How, how about expensive? Why for girlfriend or yeah, boyfriend? Yeah. That's, a, that's a luxury life. <laughs> so just be careful, you know, just, cause you, just because it qualifies, you know, just make sure that you're covering all your expenses to make sure you don't you have, have enough to, income. Yeah, don't, don't have to give up your, your, your girlfriend or your beer budget. And so right. you don't go broke yeah. after you purchase a home, yep. right? right. Yeah. You need to be happy in that house. And that doesn't even leave any uh, room for savings. You know, that's really up to oh, you. Oh, that's a good point. And um, that leads us right into our next topic. And uh, John, how much cash reserves and savings should a, uh, a buyer anticipate needing, you know, if they're planning home uh, to purchase a home? Well, first off, I mean, it would really depend on the type of loan that they're getting. Um, so you say on a conventional loan, we could start as low as 3% down um, and go up. Um, if you're a veteran, it could be $0 on the down payment itself. So kind of depends. But the one point I want to drive home here is, is you don't need 20% down. I know that's still very commonly thought of uh, out there by a lot of first-time home buyers. And mm-hmm. 20% is, is the old days. That's, that's, that's no longer. So you can get into a house for a lot less than you think. Uh, matter of fact, I had a buddy that, you know, we, we had passively talked about doing a loan and he was saving, just kind of came up again in conversation one day. And I explained it to him and he had already more than enough money to, to buy his house. And he thought he was going to have to save for at least another year. He ended up getting into a house in a couple months after that conversation. So that's just, you know, one major um, thing to consider with that. But, you know, for the reserves on that, you know, you want to make sure, uh, well, I should say before that, there's the down payment and there's also some closing costs you're going to have to pay. So you want to have a little extra for that as well. So, you know, it, that that varies per property, so we won't dive into that. But um, but the actual reserves can be some is something that's sometimes required by the lender for you to have on hand. And what that is is just a a month's worth or multiple months worth of your mortgage payment. 
Um, we like to see that in some cases. Usually when we see it, it's about two months, but it can go up to six months. So, you know, you want to you wanna make sure you have that on hand, not just barely getting into the house and being, you know, having zero dollars in your bank account when you get there. Now, we, like I said, we don't always need it, but you should have it because yeah. if something were to happen, even if we don't require it, you need to have something on hand to get you through the hard times. Yeah, we're experiencing hard times right now. I mean, some people are really experiencing hard times, uh, not just locked in their homes, but... They may have lost a job or, yeah. you know, decreased their income. Yeah. So you just never know. I couldn't agree with you guys more. Um, I would definitely recommend to have some savings on the side uh, for sure. But don't let that discourage you if you don't feel like you have enough savings. Um, I'll give you an example. We had, well, actually, that was one of our friends that he thought he didn't have enough reserves, but we, we end up qualifying him because he was qualifying for VA loan. VA loan doesn't require down payment. And then, you know, we, we were able to work it out with the uh, some of the lender credit. And he has a couple of um, months of rent as reserve. So he had two months of Perfect. rent payment as, as saving. Um, you'd be surprised how much you can qualify with that. And so if you can rent an apartment, Maybe you can qualify for a mortgage. You just never know. You just have to find a uh, mortgage advisor. If you know anybody, if you don't know anybody, we're here to help you. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I'd say, I mean, with that, Summer, you made a wonderful point there. Your apartment complex makes you have your first and last month rent, correct? Yeah. Mm-hmm. That is your reserves. That's why they do it. They mm-hmm. want to make sure that those are paid. So, and a security deposit. And, and, and a right. deposit. Yeah. Exactly. The Sometimes you don't get it back. Moving. Yeah. Most of the time. Yeah. Uh, you know. So. Yeah, I remember our last time we rented. Like I was, I'm I'm really meticulous with things, especially when I'm renting something. I know for a fact there was not one ding in the wall, <laughs> and we didn't get any of our deposit back. Wow. Zero dollars. I was I was pretty ticked, and you know I wasn't going to argue with him about it. But well, the yeah. thing is with the uh, when you're buying a home, you're not losing anything. You're investing it back to the property that you're purchasing. So that's the beauty of it, isn't it, John? Uh, absolutely. Because I mean, think about it. I mean, if you are renting and you're paying all these fees every year and you're paying, let's just use like an unrealistic number right now in Dallas area, a thousand dollars for rent per month in an apartment. Good luck finding that. But that's 12 grand in a month, in a year, excuse me, that you are spending that's gone. Mm-hmm. And then all the fees, all the other stuff, that's money's gone the money that you're putting into your house is building equity for you and your future mm-hmm. and your retirement and you, you name it. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I wish I uh, caught on a little earlier in life. Um, <laughs> you know, I thought it was all about car parts and uh, partying, but uh, not the case much easier to do than I was imagining as well. It doesn't cost a th- thousands of dollars, $30,000 to own a home. No way. And uh, I think, Summer and John have presented great floor plans um, to align your employment, credit, income, and savings for home ownership, or at least just giving you a better idea, you know, just for your own knowledge. You know, if, if you're not planning right now, you know, at least you understand that and you're, you're just that far ahead of the game. Uh, and like I said, it doesn't, it doesn't require $30,000. And when you, when you compare how much you're spending with rent, rent um, expenses, you know, like we discussed, it, it's so close. It just makes the most sense for home ownership. And, uh, you know, we have a, a team of great mortgage advisors here at Icon Mortgage. And, um, 
they they help people do this every day. Mm-hmm. Every day they make people happy and and uh, help them fulfill their home ownership dreams. So uh, with a little little planning and a trusted mortgage advisor, you know that could be you. And so uh, you know, give us a thumbs up if you liked uh, the information we provided today. You know, visit us on iconmortgage.com. And then you could also follow us uh, on our social media right there from our website. And also, you know, don't forget about episode two because we will be going a little bit more in depth. We'll be talking about uh, different loan programs, first-time homebuyer programs, um, VA loan programs, a little bit, a little bit about some other stuff too. But um, yeah, just as if you you know picked out a subject property and you're ready to go, and just kind of will take you down that uh, that pathway. Um, but we don't want to forget our sponsors. Um, again, Unscripted Real Estate is powered by Icon Mortgage. And like I said, if it was not for Icon Mortgage, the show would not go on. So thank you so much for joining today. Thank you thank for you. tuning in with us. Be sure to check out the next episode.